the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find alone And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. We need to know what the Bible says and know what the Bible says, you know, about the end times, about God's judgment, all of it. So that when something that we hear that does appeal to our flesh or appeal to our carnality, that we can say, no, that's not what the Word of God says. That sounds really nice. I wish it was that way, but that's not what the Word of God says. This is what the Word of God says. I think now more than ever, uh, you, you really need to be students of the Word of God. In the days of Jeremiah, the people of Judah were living in sin and listening to the words of false prophets concerning God and His ways. Today, Pastor Dan will take you to the book of Jeremiah to encourage you to dig deep into the Word of God so that you know what is truth and what's not when you hear it. God wants you to be so close to Him that there's no question in your heart about what His will is. When you look at your own life, do you see deep intimacy with God that He desires for you? Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 4 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. And here the Lord is saying the same thing through the prophet Jeremiah. You know, break up your fallow ground. And then he says, and do not sow among thorns. A farmer would not sow his seed among thorns because of the thorns will choke out the seed. Again, Jesus in that same parable of the sower, uh, the sower as he's casting his seed, some of the seed falls among the thorns. And Jesus tells us that the plant is choked out by the thorns. And Jesus in his interpretation of that, he tells us that the thorns are the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, And the desire for other things. Just a desire for things other than the Lord. You know, they may be sinful, not sinful, you know, but there's just a desire for other things other than Jesus. Or the cares of this world, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches. You know, those things fill our hearts. They choke out the word of God so that Jesus said we become unfruitful. The hearts of the people of Judah were full of thorns. Uh, They were full of desires for other things. They desired other gods. And that's just choking out God's word. You can't serve two masters, right? And that's what Judah was trying to do. They're trying to serve two masters and it wasn't working. It doesn't work. And so we want the word to land on good soil. Uh, For Judah, they were unfruitful because their hearts were full of thorns. 
verse 4 now, he gives a second illustration. He says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your hearts, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Lest, here's the consequence, if you don't do it, my fury comes forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Notice, first of all, he says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Typically, someone else will do the circumcision. But here he's saying, circumcise yourself. This is something uh, you must do. And he's talking about the heart. He's talking about circumcising your heart. And the heart, it represents the self-will. The self-will. And he's talking about here, cutting away, circumcising the self-will that's in your heart. You know, the stubbornness. You know, the pursuit of self. Cut it away. You know, as it says in the New Testament, Jesus said, deny yourself. Crucify your self-will. And he's talking about the circumcision of the heart. You know, the Apostle Paul uh, uses the same imagery in the book of Romans. uh, In Romans chapter 2, if you're taking notes. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. You know, again, talking about the circumcision of the heart, right? This cutting away of the self and the self-will. And there he's talking about, you know, the difference between outward or physical circumcision and a spiritual circumcision. In some ways, it's similar to water baptism, Right? There's this physical act of water baptism, but what that physical act represents is that the old man is dead and buried with Christ and that you've been raised up to newness of life in Christ. And a person can go through the physical act of water baptism and it doesn't really represent any real change that has happened on the inside of the person. And the person's still just living their old life. It's supposed to represent what has taken place on the inside, that on the inside, in the heart, the old man is dead and buried, my old man of sin, and I have new life in Christ, and I'm walking in this newness of life, this resurrected life now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So there's physical circumcision, and there's spiritual circumcision of the heart, just like there's physical water baptism, but then there's this experience that takes place in the heart, this newness of life that we have, that that water baptism represents. What Judah needs to do is Judah needs to put off the old man. They need to put off their sin. And if they don't, well, they'll face God's fury. We see that in verse 4. And what he's going to do now, beginning in verse 5, is God warns of this impending judgment if Judah refuses to repent and turn back to God. In other words, what he's saying now, beginning of verse 5, is, hey, this disaster is coming if you don't return back to me. I'm giving you this invitation. If you don't take me up on the invitation, judgment's going to come upon you. And that's true for everyone. So he says in verse 5, declare in Judah and proclaim 
and Jerusalem and say, blow the trumpet in the land, sound the shofar, cry, gather together and say, assemble yourselves and let us go into the fortified cities, the walled cities. Set up the standard toward Zion. Take refuge. Do not delay, for I will bring disaster from the north and great destruction. There's a sense of urgency to what he's saying here. Danger is imminent. Run for your lives. Flee to the fortified cities. Take refuge in the fortified cities for your protection. Don't delay, for I will bring disaster uh, from the north and great destruction. And he's speaking here of the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonians are going to invade from the north. They're going to come down through the northern kingdom of Israel and invade uh, Judah from the north. Now, this invasion uh, is about 40 years away from the time that uh, Jeremiah writes this. But God speaks with great urgency here, telling them to not delay, to take refuge, you know, run into the fortified cities. The lion has come up from his thicket. And notice how God is speaking in the present tense here about Babylon. He's not talking about something in the, in the future because for him it's a certainty. He knows this is what's going to happen. So he speaks in the, in the present tense. The Lord has come up from his thicket and the destroyer of nations is on his way. Speaking of Babylon, described as a lion, described as the destroyer of nations. He has gone forth from his place to make your land desolate. Your cities will be laid waste without inhabitant. For this, clothe yourselves with sackcloth, lament and wail. For the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. You know, for Judah, he's saying it's time to put on sackcloth and begin mourning your destruction As a nation. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish and the heart of the princes, the leaders, the priests shall be astonished and the prophets shall wonder. Uh, The leaders of the nation will not know what to do. Uh, The leaders of the nation will not have answers. They won't know how to deal with the Babylonians. They'll be overwhelmed by the circumstances the nation faces. It talks about in Luke 21, Jesus talks about uh, the time of the great tribulation period that's going to come upon the world at the end of the age. And he talks about how to be a time of great perplexity of nations. And where the word means that people will not see a way out of the situation that their nation is in. There won't be any obvious answers to deal with the problems facing the world in the last days. And the leaders will not know what to do to deal with the problems. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening in Judah in their last days. Understand that, that there's a parallel here. What's happening in Judah in their last days is what's going to happen in the world in the last days. And in Judah, the leaders, they had no idea what to do. The political leaders, the kings, the princes, the religious leaders, they're overwhelmed. The hearts of the leaders are overwhelmed by the Babylonians, the religious leaders, the priests, the prophets. The priests at this point, they're corrupt. The prophets at this point, he's talking about false prophets. 
There's false prophets at this time saying uh, everything's going to be great. They're declaring peace and prosperity. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing's going to happen. There's no judgment that's going to come. And they're false prophets. That's why they're astonished when it happens. Because this isn't what they've been telling people. They've been telling people everything's going to be great. And now this judgment comes down upon them. And they're astonished. And the prophets are wondering. You know, they're marveling at this. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. So verse 10 now goes on. Look at verse 10. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, surely you have greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying you shall have peace, whereas the sword reaches to the heart. Your translation might say their sword is at their throat. This is what Jeremiah really thought. Lord, you have greatly deceived the people and Jerusalem by telling them that they will have peace. Now, here's the interesting thing with this. The Lord God did not tell the people that they would have peace. The false prophets told the people that they would have peace. But not the Lord God. It was the false prophets who promised peace. Uh, Turn over to chapter 23 for me. Keep your finger here and just flip over to chapter 23, uh, verse 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. The false prophets were saying, you'll have peace. And they were saying to those who just follow the dictates of their own heart, they just do what's right in their own heart. They're telling those people, no evil will come upon you. God's not going to judge you for doing what you feel is right in your heart. Jeremiah is going to say the heart is desperately wicked. And no one should trust their heart. But there's false prophets at that time who are saying, No, you can do whatever feels right in your heart. And God's not going to judge you for that. God's going to understand that. It was the false prophets who were saying peace, who were promising peace. And what's interesting, going back to chapter 4, what's interesting with verse 10 is these false prophets were deceiving the people into thinking that peace was going to come, that God's not going to judge them. And it seems here from verse 10 that even Jeremiah the prophet was deceived by their message. 
And he says, Lord, surely you've greatly deceived this people in Jerusalem, saying, you shall have peace. Even Jeremiah was listening to that. And Jeremiah was believing it. Which just shows us that it's important to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Because even the elect of God can be deceived. Anyone can be deceived by a false prophet or false teaching, even if it sounds very good, right? Even if it appeals to the flesh, anyone can be deceived. And so we need to, you know, be rooted and grounded in the word so that we're not deceived. We need to know what the Bible says and know what the Bible says, you know, about the end times, about God's judgment, all of it. So that when something that we hear that does appeal to our flesh, or appeal to our carnality, that we can say, no, that's not what the word of God says. That sounds really nice. I wish it was that way, but that's not what the word of God says. This is what the word of God says. I think now more than ever, uh, you you really need to be students of the word of God uh, because there's just, there's so much deception out there and so much feel-good false teaching out there that is so uh, packaged slickly and it sounds so good. And it's presented in such a way that is so appealing uh, that if you're just going on what your heart says, you're going to take it. Hook, line, and sinker. And it seems here that even Jeremiah kind of bought into the false message that was popular in his day. He's a little confused here. Now, turn over to chapter 5. Chapter 5, the end of the chapter God's going to set Jeremiah straight. He's going to set the record straight here. In verse 31 of chapter 5, the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? And here the Lord says, hey, the, the prophets are prophesying falsely. The priests are just doing whatever seems right in their own eyes ruling by their own power, and my people like it that way. They like it. They like the feel-good message. They like the positive message. They don't want to hear the truth. You know, uh, to Isaiah the prophet, remember, they, the people said to Isaiah, don't tell us right things. Tell us smooth things, right? Don't, don't tell us what's true. Tell us what we want to hear, right? Again, I think you see a lot of that in much of the church today. We need to be discerning. Back in chapter 4, verse 11. At that time, it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem. Watch what he says here. A dry wind of the desolate heights blows in the wilderness, in the desert, toward the daughter of my people, not to fan or to cleanse. It's not like this light breeze, you know, that just cools you off. That's pleasant. A wind too strong for these will come for me. Now I will also speak judgment against them. He talks about here this strong wind that's going to come out of the wilderness. And again, he's describing uh, the Babylonians that are going to come into the land of Judah and conquer it. But he uses this description of this strong wind that comes out of the wilderness, out of the uh, desert which was something that was and is very familiar to the people living in Israel. There is this wind that they get every year. 
uh, in the spring, usually April, May, it comes out of the deserts of North Africa. And it's this hot, dry wind. It usually has sand with it mixed in it. And it moves very rapidly across the land. 40, 50, 60 mile an hour winds. And it just blows across the land. It brings hot, dry desert air into the land. And that hot, dry desert air burns up all the vegetation in the land in just a matter of days. Jesus, if you're a note taker, Jesus spoke of this wind in Luke chapter 12, verse 55, where he said, And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat, and it happens. It will be so. Jesus was talking about this wind. It's called the Sirocco. And it comes out of the south, it comes out of the desert, and it covers the land of Israel with dry, hot, dusty air that just envelops everything, and it just kills everything in its path. It just uh, dries up all the vegetation in its path, where it's green and lush, and a week later, everything is brown and fried. Uh, it's also very dangerous for children. Quite often when this happens each year, there's children that suffer heat stroke, and die as a result of it. This is what it's describing here in Jeremiah chapter 4. This wind coming in from the desert, this hot wind that just consumes everything in its path. It just rolls across the land, and it swallows up everything in its path and destroys everything along the way. And he's saying this is what the Babylonians are going to be like when they come into the land. Verse 13, behold, he shall come up like clouds and his chariots like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are plundered. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? Uh, You know, Even though this enemy is rapidly approaching and this judgment is imminent, there's still an opportunity to repent. The people of Jerusalem could wash their hearts from their wickedness and be saved. And again, you see the heart of the Lord here just pleading with them. Wash your hearts, oh Jerusalem. Wash your hearts from wickedness that you may be saved. Just begging them to turn. And be forgiven and be saved. For a voice declares from Dan and proclaims affliction from Mount Ephraim. Now, Dan is the northernmost city in Israel, in the northern kingdom at this point. It's the northernmost city. When an invading army comes in from the north, Dan is the first city they attack. Because that's the first city they come to. And here he describes you know, this messengers coming from the north who declare that, you know, the army is at Dan. And then another messenger comes and says, now they're at Mount Ephraim. Mount Ephraim is just a few miles north of Jerusalem. And the point here is this army is moving rapidly towards Jerusalem. They were just at Dan and now they're at Mount Ephraim. Now they're only a few miles away. The point being, don't delay. Come back. Wash your hearts of its wickedness. Repent while you still have time before it's too late. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. 
When you look at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile, but think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful, but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes It's true.